if you could live in any computer simulation, like any world created by a computer you get to live in not knowing it's fake, where would you want to live? Well, you know, first thing my brain goes to is Star Wars. Yeah. But like I'd want to be something cool like like a Jedi or a Han Solo. I wouldn't want to be like a Jawa. <laughs> yeah, a Jawa <laughs> like working in the middle of a desert or like working in a mud pit somewhere, you know. Um so I guess you know it's all about status. I don't know. <laughs> That's the risk you run, I guess. Yeah. Right. Exactly. What about you? I don't know. I mean, I I've been playing I mean, I played when it first came out the new Zelda game, Breath of the Wild. Mm, that'd and be like, a good one. That's a world that like I loved exploring as a video game, but man, it'd be cool just to live there until yeah. until like you were like, oh, I could really use like running water and a toilet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I played that game too, and I came across no toilets in that world. Right. So. Exactly. everyone welcome to another episode of post mormon at the movies i'm dan and i'm nick and nick i just want to make it clear that for all of our listeners who can't see me right now i'm wearing all black leather i've got (laughs) rimless tinted glasses on and everything is tinged green but do your glasses they just like sit on the bridge of your nose like there's not even (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm I'm not that cool. I, I actually have the, the temples on okay, there. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. Um, so this week, we are talking about The Matrix, released in 1999, our first R-rated movie. So that's exciting. Yeah. When did you first see this movie, Nick? I mean, that is a complicated question because I feel like this is, <laughs> this is one of those things where it's like, I saw this movie, quote unquote through so many other like pop culture references and parodies that I feel like by the time I got to actually watching the matrix, only, I mean, only like three years ago, maybe two or three years ago, like, Mm -hmm. did I actually sit and watch the whole movie from beginning to end by that point? I was like, Oh, I've seen so much of this movie already without, you already know, you already know exactly. So things like, you know, like the Lego movie is like riffing on this movie. Uh Uh, I mean, just little parody things of like the bullet time, like some of the impact is definitely lost watching it years and years after the fact. It did have a huge impact on pop culture and like yeah, definitely. the zeitgeist. Like even still today, even though it's been like more than 20 years since it came out. <laughs> I saw an edited version, I think, yeah. when I was in high school. Because like back then I for sure wouldn't have watched, you know, a full R-rated movie. Which, Although <laughs> looking movie... back, I don't know what would have been edited out. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say is like. Watching it again last night before this, I was I was just struck again by like how un R rated this movie is while being R rated. Yeah, like if it for sure, like no doubt in my mind, if it was released today, it would not be an R. Yeah, easy PG thirteen. But anyways, but yeah, so I I saw a version of it back then, uh-huh. and like watching it, I, I hadn't seen it for a long, long time, probably since high school, and then I watched it again, you know, this weekend in preparation for this and. I was just surprised. I'm like, oh, yeah, like 
there's like so much of this that is still around today. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. Yeah. One of the things I was struck the most watching it this time was just like how much it reminded me of Inception in some places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, this it's it's just kind of that weird thing where it's like this movie was so groundbreaking for its time for a lot of like special effect reasons and Mm -hmm. storytelling reasons. But if you missed it, then it feels a little dated when if you get around to it late. Yeah. Um, I was surprised at like how cheesy it was. Like it was (laughs) like some of the dialogue and just some of the some of the action sequences. I mean, it was really cool. And like. You know, high school me ate that up. Yeah, you know, it was it was awesome. But like looking back at it now, it's like, yeah, this is a product of the late nineties. I know it definitely feels like this movie was was probably the height of cool in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, and, and it was, it was, and, it was, and, it was yeah. like a big deal. And then uh, now, yeah, I'm curious because there's the fourth movie is coming out this year. Yeah, um, I, I saw and that. it was supposed to come out in theaters. We'll see, and it. It'll still come out in theaters, but also on HBO Max and sort of because of COVID this year. So it'll be interesting to see sort of if their take on this universe has evolved yeah. to fit the times of when it's coming out more or if they mm-hmm. stay rooted in sort of the late 90s, early 2000s from, right. from this and the sequels. Did you see two and three? Because I, I did not. I never have. Yeah, so yeah our discussion will be all about just the first one. But yeah. Yeah, I may have to watch it in in preparation for. Yeah, the that's one, kind maybe. of what I'm thinking is that like you know it, I feel like I'll want to be part of the conversation now. Yeah, of the fourth and, movie, and I feel like Keanu Reeves was like pretty well known back then, but since this oh, movie yeah, has come exploded. out in the past twenty years, he's he's like super yeah. hot right now as far as like well liked by pretty much everyone. I think yeah, um, and just kind of a fun fun actor, fun personality. Um, one funny thing I did, like, just talking about how much it is a part of our collective consciousness as a society. Um, there's, like, a very popular meme that floats around the internet a lot. And it's, like, a picture of Morpheus. And it says, what if I told you? And then it has, like, yeah, you know, the, like, a very, like, obvious truth or something. Uh-huh. like, or, or maybe a non-obvious truth. But what if I told you? da 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 I watched the movie and I'm like, wait, I don't remember hearing him say that. And I went back and I looked to like rewatch the scenes where like that would have been an appropriate thing and I couldn't find it. Yeah. And so then I went online and realized that he never actually says that line <laughs> in the movie. And so one of the most popular copies of that meme is, what if I told you that I never said, what if I told you in the Matrix <laughs> in the movie? That's um, funny. Which is just funny because it's like, yeah, that line That's was never funny. in the movie. So. But yeah, I mean, I feel like um, just from a filmmaking point of view, like this movie just has a really strong script, like for for what it's covering plot wise, like mm-hmm. I'm never confused in this movie. Like they do such a good job with exposition. I'm never mm-hmm. bored, but I'm never confused either. And that's yeah. a really hard balancing act to achieve. Right. Um, but they do a really good job of it. And and. Even nowadays, like the action scenes are kind of uh, dated, special effect wise and stuff. But mm-hmm. like, but but when they're just doing like hand to hand sort of like fighting, like it's still cool to watch. And they're definitely yeah. pulling from like old kung fu movies and like yeah, the, the sure. style of those movies. And so it's just kind of fun to see. So um, just another funny thing that kind of branches off of that. I I was looking for where to watch this this weekend for my rewatch of it. Uh-huh. And 
I couldn't find it on any of the streaming sites for free that I yeah. subscribed to. But I have a copy of it on DVD, so I'm like, Ugh, okay. I guess I'll like open my DVD case and stick it in the you know our Blu-ray player, and it was fun because it was like, uh, like I rediscovered the world of DVD menus. Yeah, you know of like going through. Oh, and nineteen ninety-nine, <laughs> like that's the height of like. Yeah. DVD is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, yeah, um, and in fact, it was funny because there's. Uh, a little Easter egg. Like, that's where I first heard the term Easter egg was on these DVD menus. Because, like, yeah. you know, you'd go find the certain thing you could click on that wasn't obvious. Uh-huh. And then it would, like, give you a little treat of, you yeah, know, a little a something to watch. A blooper reel or something. Yeah. And they had one with that. There was a, as you were going through, like, just randomly in one of the title menus, there was a little red pill. And mm. so I, <laughs> I went over and I clicked on it. And it was, like, a little, it was, um a little mini documentary about like behind the scenes of like the special effects shooting techniques that they used and like the way that they had lined up all these different cameras to yeah. get all of like the special, like the ones that would make it look like they were suspended in air. And mm-hmm. it was just kind of fun, interesting to watch. Which is just, I mean like such a cool special effect that like once you see how they do it, you're like, why had no one done this before? Because it's, yeah a pretty easy technique mm-hmm. relatively speaking you know and but yeah yeah use it to such fun effect and and yeah. i love that they you know in this movie they do that little pan around freeze frame they do mm-hmm. it right off the bat in like the first scene we get right. a taste of it and i love that like they don't hold back that mm-hmm. sort of they're like and then they use it way and then they and then they do it times. cooler later you know but like yeah yeah, I mean, that's the sort of thing that if you're seeing it in the theater in 1999, you're probably sitting up in your seat like, how the heck did they do that? <laughs> right. So. Right. But yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. It's just, I you know, I think one of the things is that like, I the first time I watched it, I was just struck by how weird it is too, though. That like, all the stuff that's like the future stuff mm-hmm. where like, there are all the people in these pods and like, mm-hmm. these machines that are hunting them down, like. All that stuff is just like so weird and so disconnected from like the 1999 cool black leather that like every time when I watched it again, it's like right. just was reminded of like, oh, this movie is just so weird too, though, <laughs> like, uh-huh. you know, like and so it's it's just strange that like it became so popular because there is a lot of weirdness going on that mm-hmm. I feel like it, it, that's a hard thing to pull off to like make something really yeah. weird, really popular. But I think there's plenty of cool, though. Oh, yeah. In, I mean, in the other parts that made it. That covers, you know, makes up the difference there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. just a, a really effective movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going to say, I, I think it deserves to have, like, stuck around so long. Right. In everybody's minds. So I think so. You know, I, I think that a comparison for me is, like, uh, James Cameron's Avatar movie. Mm-hmm. Like, also, huge splash when it came out big science fiction movie that like was this like look into another world and like to the point that people wanted to become the you know these what the navi the big yeah i think that's what they're called creatures in that movie but like that movie has had so little staying power Mm -hmm. afterwards that like it just i think is a testament to even though avatar was the biggest thing ever at its time Mm -hmm. like it didn't stick around there's no pop culture references quoting the movie and stuff and I feel like it just speaks to the Matrix being being this kind of weird science fiction, very genre movie 
being able to stick around so and long. Just like, is just... And the concepts and like the straightforwardness, I guess, of the story. And Yeah. Know. My one gripe with The Matrix is that, uh-huh. you know, like they spend so much time saying like how to unlearn sort of how the world works so you can do whatever you want. And, and mostly it amounts to like them just having lots of guns to shoot lots of people. Uh-huh. And I feel like there's a missed opportunity that like, I, I feel like, and, and I feel like that about Inception as much as I love Inception too. It's like you're in a dream world where anything can happen and now we're just going to shoot at people. <laughs> and I feel like yeah. there's a, you know, and, and I don't, so I, having not seen the sequels, I don't know if they get into some, some of that more of like stretching what can be done in this world. But, mm-hmm. but that's probably my one disappointment is that like, I wanted less of the shooting guns at people and more of the like bending cool physics bending and physics and yeah. Should we jump in and talk about kind of the meat yeah. of the story and kind of. <laughs> So I, I think that, like, I think the main main story point that I wanted to discuss was the red-blue pill uh-huh. scene and sort of the implications of that scene throughout this movie. I don't know. I feel like that's probably the biggest topic I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I think that that's definitely the, the strongest connection there. Um, so what happens in the scene? Like, do you want to give a summary? Sure, sure. So... Um, the main character, Neo, is, like, aware that there's something bigger out there, you know, that he's not a part of, but he's curious and he wants to learn more about it. And so he's kind of maybe digging in places where he shouldn't be to kind of figure out, you know, what's this big truth? And, you know, he finds out about this guy called Morpheus and finally ends up being able to get to uh, meet with him. And Morpheus is telling him, yeah, there's, like... You know, there's the Matrix, you know, and we can show you what that is, but there's no going back. And, you know, here's here's your two options. You know, I've got these two pills. I've got a blue pill. And if you take this pill, you'll just wake up tomorrow the next day and you can decide what you want to believe and things will be the same. But um, if you want to take the red pill, um, then, you know, he uses the metaphor of let's jump down, you know, follow the rabbit down the rabbit hole, mm-hmm. you know, Alice in Wonderland and see see how deep the rabbit hole goes basically just you know we're gonna take you but there's no turning back and you're gonna have to commit to this i think you're absolutely right about that being kind of the biggest crux to talk about as far as maybe um, comparisons that we want to draw posing the question sort of to anyone like if you were in neo's situation and, and you were told hey there's there's more to life than what you're seeing and we can show you it um, and if you don't want to see it, you can take the blue pill and wake up, forget about all this. But if mm-hmm. you take the red pill, like you'll get to see all the stuff that no one else knows about. I feel like most people would take the red pill. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a, some psychological sort of study you can do, of like mm-hmm. the sort of people who would take the blue pill versus the red pill. But I feel like the way it's phrased, like most people would take the red pill, I right. imagine, you know, or yeah. and maybe that's just me taking for granted sort of the point of view of someone who would not want to. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I feel like um, in general, most people would want to know more. And it's sort of phrased as, like you're saying, going down the rabbit hole, but also like sort of the pursuit of truth, no matter where it leads. Like you can't go back. And so even if what you find out isn't comfortable, like too bad, 
it's, you know, as you've now you know it and you can't yeah. go back. As as you put it in a previous episode, I thought you had a pretty apt metaphor about toothpaste being squeezed out of the tube. Right. And and, and like the idea is like you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube once it's been squeezed out. So that's yeah, right. that's the whole idea of the red pill. Yeah, that you can't unknow things that now you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see character, you know, Cypher is this character who has been kind of in the fight for like nine years or whatever. And like mm-hmm. his, he took the red pill, but now regrets it and yeah. wa- and is trying to make a deal to like go backwards. And obviously it, that complicates things in the plot of the, the movie. But, right. but I feel like he, I understand that struggle of like, you know, of uh, so having taken the sort of the red pill of it all, which mm-hmm. I think probably we need to make explicit for at least <laughs> right. our point of view. And right. then we can talk about some other maybe interpretations of it. But but for yeah. me, a post-Mormon, this, and this movie is super popular with post-Mormon. People who have left the church right. um, is, is, is a popular reference point. point. We, we talked about the Truman Show. Mm-hmm. on another episode being sort of another reference. And I would say that those two movies, Truman Show and The Matrix, are both probably the most popular references I see. Right, um, right. Which is also weird. They're both like late 90s movies. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird that they were not too far off being made. But anyway, the reason why is that I feel like a lot of people are drawn to this movie is that they feel, having left the church, that... You know, they they believed in the church and by looking into sort of their questions or doubts or like the things that they had put on the shelf to go back to the metaphor we've used before, um, that once they investigated those things, that it did feel like going down a rabbit hole of like there was sort of a never ending thing of uncovering something you never knew before about sort of truth of sort of the history of the church or the workings of the modern church or I feel like there's a lot of things that could Mm -hmm. sort of cover that of like things that from their point of view I didn't know this and and knowing this now changes sort of my outlook on how I feel about the church and some of the things that it teaches and and what I I believe or used to believe and so that all sort of gets wrapped up or I think the and the reason why is that it's a really easy summary to like say this is the experience of what it felt like to mm-hmm. leave the church was that I I took the red pill and discovered things that I feel like are true that mm-hmm. led me down this rabbit hole and I can't go back like I can't I can't go back to being the member who sits in the pews and believes everything 100% anymore yeah so that's I think and is that a fair summary do you think I I think it is or would you add anything I would just say this is a very similar topic to the Truman Show as far as, you know, a waking up realization movie right. and themes of that. And so I would recommend to all of our listeners, if you haven't yet, go back and listen to our Truman Show episode. It's one of our more popular ones, and mm-hmm. I think for good reason. Um, we cover, you know, a lot of these same concepts and ideas there. Um, you know, maybe think specifically like talking about Plato's Cave as being one of the things that we discussed, mm-hmm. you know, this type of a story you know, questioning your reality and the struggles that go along with that. So absolutely, I think that was spot on. Um, Yeah, I think the big difference here for me between this and The Truman Show is that 
Truman struggles in that movie with accepting the reality of what the world is really like. Mm-hmm. You know, that like he that he has been living in this fake world. And and part of the reason why is because there's lots of people around him trying to put him back into the fake reality. Right. You know, that like right. there's people who are gaslighting him and telling him no, who are that's in not on how it. it is, that are all in on it. Yeah. And in whereas in the Matrix, he has a very sort of like supportive group of people who are saying, Hey, this is how things are and we're gonna help you deal with yeah, it. Yeah, because because he had he had struggles at first, but he overcame them. I think a lot quicker and maybe with more grace than Truman did. Right. Which was something that I never thought about. Having a a good support group going through a a journey like this can make a, a big difference. Um, yeah, because Truman is, is essentially on his own. Yeah. And has to hide what he's going through. And so I think that, you know, there's a lot of things that I resonate with there. And I feel like um, there's, I think, a lot to learn from sort of this matrix metaphor of not just taking the red pill and learning the truth. I, for me, like that's, that's kind of the smaller thing for me. Like, like I feel like there's different ways to sort of take that experience. So what the red pill in that metaphor represents is going to be different for everyone. But I think what can be universal is that when you do leave the church, I do think you need a supportive group of people who are going to help you like take sort of the first steps into your this new reality right and rip out all of the you know battery plugs that were in your body and (laughs) And yeah wipe out that amniotic fluid yeah and like pull you out of the sewer (laughs) from your pod yeah (laughs) oh i guess there's some connection there too of just the story like the hero's journey right? right you have you know somebody who who is the chosen one who has an ultimate goal and purpose and mission that they're supposed to accomplish and so i can i can you know this can be approached from a faithful perspective as well. You know, you have, you know, the call and you accept it and then you, you know, learn this knowledge and learn about the way that the world works and is supposed to be and you're going to go fight the good fight. And so, like you yeah. said, you, you can take that from a variety of perspectives, including a faithful one. Yeah, I definitely think that you can look at the red pill metaphor and and equate that to well, when I was baptized or joined the church, like that's when I learned the truth about the the gospel and the plan of mm-hmm. salvation. And and I, I think that, that the movie ultimately can't support that metaphor for too long. But I think, you know, you can make a metaphor out of anything right. if you narrow it and sort of look at it in a certain way. But I do think that what you're getting at as far as like a Messiah figure and sort of on, you know, Neo in this movie is the one who's right. going to like, you know, essentially fits that archetype of a Christ-like figure. And so I think that even if you put aside sort of that the that red pill sort of re- reality discussion, I think, you know, this movie, like so many others that will be, I'm sure we'll continue to talk about this archetype of the chosen one. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, there's a, hero's journey messiah sort of story to this movie which obviously resonates with people who believe in christianity mm-hmm. and and so i'm sure that i while i didn't do any research to sort of look this up i'm sure you could find christian sort of or allegorical comparisons with mm-hmm. this movie For of sure. like you know what how it represents christianity like truman show did right you know true we talked about that with truman show where there's this duality of like 
there's a Christian undertone to everything too. And Mm -hmm. though I would hazard to guess that most Christians probably weren't fully on board with the matrix when it first came out. (laughs) I know that at least in the, in, you know, like growing up in the church, there was like, this was kind of the pariah of movies because it was the cool R rated movie everyone wanted to see. Right. And so even if there were any, was anything of value to pull from this movie as a believing member, it probably wouldn't be the movie you're pulling it from. Yeah. And I remember too, like with my, you know, some of my friends in high school that was like, you know, there, like there's nothing that should be rated R about this movie. And they're like, it's all about, you know, the concept of the movie that made it R. And I, yeah. I don't know if that was true or not about why it got an R rating. But I remember there being a lot of um, justifications from many of my LDS friends growing up about, some that did choose to see the yeah why it version. was okay to see this <laughs> right one. yeah right and just like yeah like like on my rewatch I can't think of anything that like I didn't there wasn't any scene that surprised me even right. though like I hadn't seen like the full R version I'm like I don't know what was edited out for this yeah so, <laughs> yeah um, I think that you know this concept of the like red pill and the blue pill is just like taken on its own life too. Where like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that like I was saying, you can kind of read anything you want into this. And I feel like and and I think even from a like post Mormon, ex Mormon point of view, like the red pill metaphor breaks down at some point too. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately like what it, the movie is saying it's about is the pursuit of truth, no matter where it leads and no matter how uncomfortable and difficult that truth becomes. And I definitely Mm -hmm. felt like that. Like I felt like there were points in sort of my journey of belief out of the church where it felt like this, that it was like, you wish you could put the toothpaste back in the bottle. You know, you wish you could take the blue pill now, but like, but there's just no going back because you, and until we learn how to erase memories, you (laughs) know, then, you know, it's, it's not going to be possible to go back to, a fully in believing point of view. Well, and I was going to say, like, I remember some very specific points in like where I was like, my, so my journey out of the church was a very long and a very slow one that took yeah. many, many years of like reading and studying and researching and everything. And, but even before I like started to like look at like specific issues or topics I was just like there's like this growing awareness of like I don't know maybe it was just the online presence of Mormonism was becoming bigger like I don't you know like the blogger knackle like mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that term but it's like you know there there was like this explosion of like not not like ex-Mormon but like faithful like online blogs and yeah. websites and um, like discussion boards and things. And I was involved in some of those. Well, and even, you know, the first sort of Mormon podcasts were all from sort of a believing stance to begin with, at least. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, a lot of social media and blogs and podcasts all said, you know, let's bring Mormonism into the 21st century and like start really dissecting what do we believe yeah. In in ways that maybe hadn't been done before so publicly. Yeah. And I remember just like, you know, going through that process as like a young, you know, as a millennial during this time period when the church was like 
learning how to have an online presence and mm-hmm. you know members of the church were you know exper- experimenting with being missionaries online and all sorts of things like that you know you you every now and then come across like some ideas that oh that's not quite orthodox that's not quite what i was taught in mm-hmm. sunday school or like these other things and you know there were times where it's like oh that's that's a weird uncomfortable idea to me and I, I don't know if I like that and I'm gonna blue pill it for a minute you know yeah and you know that started to happen more and more frequently and you know eventually it was like okay like I'm gonna maybe visit this website that I haven't felt co- or like listen to this podcast that I haven't felt comfortable before but I think I may be ready to red pill it a little bit at this mm-hmm. point and so I totally relate to the metaphor that they were going for there and it's it's a really really hard thing like in the movie like we talked about earlier in the episode like yeah let's take the let's take the red pill but you know with something as big as this it it affects a lot and so like I remember you know eventually choosing to take the red pill but I remember kind of resisting for a while and knowing I'm like okay if I if I go here there there might not be a a turning back point right you know I don't know if you experienced something similar but that's kind of how I felt about. Yeah, I definitely relate to a lot of that. I feel like my, you know, being able to look back now, I feel like my experience sort of, and it's, I understand the like difficulty of sort of buying this maybe, but I, cause I feel like so much of it is just internal. There's so much that I feel like, you know, it isn't kosher to talk about sort of with other believing members. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I feel like, um, or at least you never know how someone's going to react mm-hmm. to having a discussion about like, hey, did have you ever heard of this or sort of thing Yeah, that I feel like, you know, sometimes I just recognize now that like, yeah, there were questions and things I was didn't understand and sort of grappling with for a lot longer than maybe I would have I was realizing at the time. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah, a lot of that sort of intersected with a lot of these discussions sort of being brought out in social media and, mm-hmm. and, and then sort of the church's response to some of these, you know, I was the church bringing out essays, tackling yeah. topics like uh, black people and, and the priesthood and the temple mm-hmm. like those or uh, polygamy, those sort of topics being addressed by the church also sort of validated a lot of things too of like, okay, this is something to talk about and to yeah. look into. And so, yeah. so I feel like it was sort of this give and take for a while mm-hmm. of what kind of you're describing of like, so it was like two steps forward and one step back until finally yeah. I got to the point where emotionally I was just like. And then you want the truth. Yeah. And it's like, I don't care what the repercussions are at this point, but I just want to just know want what my reality and, is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like, you know, talk, going back to the matrix, I feel like, you know, one of the things that I I want to like make this metaphor fully stick is we don't see Neo's exploring sort of this idea of the Matrix. He just knows about it, mm-hmm. and we don't know how he knows about it. Just that he's been poking probably online in places to find out stuff, and knows enough that they've been able to find him. Right. But we don't see any of that struggle of like how did he first kind of start to question you know, the mate that the matrix was a possibility. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like we miss out on seeing who else is in his life, you know, like who, who's the person who would try to talk him out of taking the red pill. 
And I feel like we we don't see that sort of personal side of his story. Mm -hmm. And so so it does kind of get like simplified from maybe the, you know, how most post or ex-Mormons would describe their journey. Mm-hmm. I feel like this he just accepts that red pill and and doesn't hesitate a whole lot. But I would say that most people I've I've talked to it's a much slower process. They are offered that red pill in some form online or through friends who've left and that sort of stuff. They've been offered that red pill a lot of times. And I think, you know, the the corollary to that is that like you know, the church talks about how like someone doesn't become interested in really having a missionary discussion till they've had like six or seven interactions with the church. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, so, so if that helps you sort of understand like that point of view, I feel like someone who's leaving the church probably experiences a similar thing where like they don't want to give up what's they know, what's comfortable just on a whim. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's the same both ways. You know, someone's not going to join the church on a whim. Someone's not going to leave the church on a whim either. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know my gut reaction if I'm putting myself in like my believing Mormon shoes is that hearing someone talk about leaving the church like the matrix and the red pill is just going to feel like that's kind of gross and stupid and yeah and I feel like you know the it is dramatic to talk mm-hmm. about the red pill and and I and that imagery and sort of metaphor but I feel like what the movie doesn't build in is all the stuff that led to that moment right and so yeah. i think you've got to take it's you know take the step back and then think about someone who has left the church like that moment when you first heard on social media or you heard through the grapevine that did you hear that so-and-so left the church like that's the red pill moment that you're seeing but you're not seeing all the stuff Everything that led, that led to that to moment it. yeah exactly i think also while we're talking about this red pill i feel like that's sort of all the stuff I wanted to say about from uh-huh. a, a church point of view. Yeah. But I think it's interesting, like you were, we're talking about this movie resonating in pop culture. This red pill idea has taken on a whole new sort of life politically mm-hmm. in the last few years. Uh-huh. And I just think it's important to like really hammer home, like what the movie is saying is that pursuit of truth, no matter where it leads. And I feel like sometimes people think they're enlightened and they build backwards to the red pill. Like, Oh, obviously I feel like I know more about the world and how it works. Mm -hmm. So obviously at some point I took the red pill and I feel like when it was just their opinions all along, it's just, yeah, you're just trying to justify the way you see the world as being somehow better than other people. Yeah. It can be, I could see believing members thinking about people who've left the church in that way too, that like, Oh, you're trying to justify X, Y, Z about mm-hmm. what you're doing or thinking. And, but we really have the whole truth, you know, like you're, mm-hmm. you have, you took a fake red pill. And, and I guess my, my caution would be that like, look at, <laughs> to borrow a phrase, you know, by their fruits, you shall know them. <laughs> and I feel like yeah. that's, you know, like the, you know, the, what is the result of sort of, taking the red pill so to speak and i feel like someone who's like truly after truth for the sake of truth i feel like if you're really pursuing that in a way that is honest and sincere like it's going to lead to better things in your life mm-hmm. i don't know i'm kind of rambling <laughs> yeah I feel like but yeah but I, it's i feel this, like it's this messy is a hard, you know yeah and it, it is messy and you know, talking now, but also like leading up to this podcast, I'm like, 
this might be hard to talk about some things and have like believing members kind of get where we're coming from on some right. of these things or to, you know, it might be hard to talk about this and have them not be offended or think that we're bashing them for their beliefs and thinking that, oh, we're, we're so enlightened. And yeah, um, and that's not what we're going for. But but yeah, I do. I mean, I totally understand what you're saying. Like the intention isn't to say we know more than you or we're better than you. Yeah. But I do feel like there are there are times where I feel like I do know more than <laughs> be- believing members and that knowing a little bit more or at least having like fully sort of taken this line of study to all the avenues that I can or more and avenues than I would logical have. Logical conclusions. And yeah. And like, and what does that yeah lead me to conclude? I feel like that's what I would say is sort of the red pill experience. Is that like, yeah. And some people may, may, you know, take those conclusions to believe that the church is true mm-hmm. and that's fine. We're, we're again, you know, we're not trying to convince anybody of anything, just trying to share kind of like our experience. Right. And I feel like ultimately that's where it comes down to like, this is a movie telling a certain story. The metaphor ultimately breaks down at some point, no matter how you're approaching it from. Yeah. But I feel like a lot, a lot of people do resonate who've left the church with this idea of like, I I thought the world was one way. I've studied things and now see the world a different way and I can't go back. And I feel mm-hmm. like this movie at least really pulls off that idea yeah. In a way that resonates with me. For sure. But I, f- I feel like that's kind of, and, and maybe this is me not seeing some things that other people see, but I feel like after watching it with the point of view of like, okay, this is a hallmark of post-Mormon sort of movie examples. It feels like it's just that scene, you know, and, and maybe yeah. a couple connected scenes related to like whether learning they can about go the back world. and learning yeah. about, yeah, you know, like what you, you can't unlearn what you've learned. But for me, it's basically that idea. There's not a whole lot else in this movie that feels like it's a post-Mormon movie, except for that, uh, you know, all the agents look like Mormon missionaries, maybe. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Nice. <laughs> except on except my mission. This, no on, sunglasses, maybe, in some Yeah, missions, that's what but... I was going to say. On my mission, we were in a word to allow sunglasses. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to cover about this, uh, about The Matrix? You know, probably the one last thing that I think is just interesting is that they do talk about uh, Zion. They do. And the, yeah. that's also a very Mormon thing. And and part of me is just, yeah, like I probably should have done more research and Except, having not seen the sequels, like uh-huh. to know kind of where that plays where that out. Goes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that it is one that like, at least on a surface level, like my Mormon, my Mormon sense was tingling. <laughs> when, yeah. when they mentioned Zion. Yeah. Not when they mentioned Trinity, though, because. Right. You know, yeah. You know, Godhead. For That's, obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, except they pronounce they pronounce it the wrong way. Yeah. They say Zion. But in Mormondom, you say Zion. So, we digress. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, like this is a movie that we had to cover. I yeah. I think is, is, you know, it's. On the list of like must see Mormon movies for or post Mormon movies for this red pill sort of discussion. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, part of me is like, I feel like there are better movies. Truman Show resonated with me way more than this movie did. Yeah. Yeah. But, I agree with that. Um, 
at the very least, maybe it being R-rated is also sort of part of that. Like a lot of people probably didn't see this movie until after leaving the church. And so maybe it sort of became a thing because of that too. Mm -hmm. So to our listeners, thanks for joining us on our discussion of The Matrix. Yeah. We'll see you again next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. Postmormon at the Movies is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us for regular updates and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you can download episodes as they become available. Thank you for listening, and we will see you at the movies next time.